I didn't, it was so hard to process what was even happening. I mean, these numbers were just so huge. I was just at that point, like just living one day in front of, cause I was in jail during this whole time. And I didn't, I hadn't been in trouble before as a kid. So I wasn't like, I didn't, you know, I didn't have a, a background in going to juvenile detention. Yeah, you hadn't been in like Red Wing and right. I hadn't all been those through places, that. So sure. it was all new. So for me, yeah. I'm just trying to survive day to day. But um, it was in the county jail pretty soon after I was arrested, about a week after I was arrested, I was in the county jail and, I remember I'm sitting there in in the jail pod and all these guys started lining up at the door and I had asked them, you know, hey, where are you guys going? What are you lining up for? And one of the guys says, we're going to church. You want to come with? And I said, no, I don't want to go with. I didn't, you know, go to church. I had a very, didn't have a great faith as a kid growing up. My family wasn't, you know, we went on Christmas and Easter and that's kind of about it, you know. Um, and and so I said no, and one of the guys goes, well, you know, they give us free donuts if you go to church. So I just said, okay. Matt Moeller is Pastor Paul's guest today on Life Support, talking about the challenges that the incarcerated have in trying to acclimate themselves to our society. Matt is recently released from incarceration himself and has a wealth of information on how all of us can learn to better come alongside those who need our guidance. Everything you do from then on is different. One of the detectives, I think his name was He was a golden boy. All we can do right now is come together. Extreme domestic violence, multiple rapes. Hey, I am so glad to have you on Life Support. What we do on this program is we tell stories, and we deal with some topics that maybe other shows don't. But what we want to do is highlight Jesus and his redemptive work in our lives, and I hope that you'll be encouraged today. I have uh, a wonderful guest, Matt Moeller has joined us, and uh, he has quite the story to tell. Matt, thanks a lot for being here. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's nice to meet you, and uh, you do have uh, quite a story to tell. Just um, some of our dialogue before we even went on the air here was really interesting, but uh, your story starts quite a while ago, Yeah. and um, just tell me how all of this kind of... um, you're involved with some really good ministry now. Tell me yeah. your story and how it kind of all led up to where you are right now. For sure. Um, so I'm um, from Minnesota, born and raised, grew up in central Minnesota. Um, and really, you know, growing up, really involved in sports, um, kind of really big part of my of my story growing up, middle school and, and into high school. And um, one of the changing points in my life was uh, ninth grade, sustained a knee injury, uh, playing football and had to had to quit playing sports. I was on crutches for six months, and um, from that point, you know, it was um, kind of prescribed painkillers at that time, and uh, started taking those for uh, recreational drug use, and just kind of went into the spiral. At that same time, you know, all my identity was built and found in playing sports, and all these friends I had played football and baseball and basketball, and so when I was taken out of that. Um, I lost those friends. I started to lose those connections. I started to build these bonds in other other areas, and it was with friends that were partying and you know drinking, and that's that's it. That's what we did. So I kind of fell into that into ninth grade and tenth grade and and eleventh grade. Um, got you know a friend of mine. Um, he made an offhanded comment one day and said, "You know, I I really wish my dad was dead." and to me, you know, should have been red flags there. But mm-hmm. um, my identity was so wrapped up in 
this group of friends and what are they going to think of me and how am I going to be a person that can be I, – w- I wanted to be the cool guy. You know, I want to be the guy who can get everything for everyone and do anything for anyone. And um, and so, you know, he kind of talked about this and he asked me if I could get him a gun and I just absolutely – you know, hey, yeah, I can get you a gun. And um, it kind of just went into these th- this place where um, – you know, that friendship that we had became about, about this. And this, this friend of mine had, you know, kind of, um, talked me into that, getting him a weapon, getting him a gun. And he used that to kill his dad. Wow. Um, so 17 years old at the time. And, you know, he had asked other people to get him a weapon and stuff. So when the, when the police started did their investigation, it was pretty, you know, apparent yeah. what had happened. Um, so we were both arrested and, um, I was charged with first and second degree murder and, um, pled guilty to second-degree murder, dropped the first-degree murder, and ended up getting a, a 30-year prison sentence. So and in Minnesota, you get 30-year prison sentence. You have to do two-thirds of that in a state facility. So I got, um, I had spent 20 years in the So you were 17 when all this 17 happened. when all of that happened, yeah. So yeah. you must have, um, at that point, wondered, like, where's my life headed here? Or yeah. is my life even over? Is yeah. it worth living? Yeah, for yeah. sure. I mean, it was one of those things where, like, I didn't, it was so hard to process what was even happening. I mean, these numbers were just so huge. I was just at that point, like just living one day in front of, because I was in jail during this whole time and I didn't, I hadn't been in trouble before as a kid. So I wasn't like, I didn't, you know, I didn't have a, a background in going to juvenile detention. Yeah, you hadn't or been in like Red that. Wing and right. I hadn't all been those places. That. So sure. it was all new. So for me, yeah. I'm just trying to survive day to day. But um, it was in the county jail pretty soon after I was arrested, about a week after I was arrested, I was in the county jail and. I remember I'm sitting there in in the jail pod and all these guys started lining up at the door and I had asked them, you know, hey, where are you guys going? What are you lining up for? And one of the guys says, we're going to church. You want to come with? And I said, no, I don't want to go with. I didn't, you know, go to church. I had a very, didn't have a great faith as a kid growing up. My family wasn't, you know, we went on Christmas and Easter and that's kind of about it, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And... And so I said no, and one of the guys goes, well, you know, they give us free donuts if you go to church. So I just said, okay, well, I can I can go then for free donuts. It still works even it today. It still works today. So yeah. so I went down to the church service, and, you know, we did a couple songs in that, and then it was a, this volunteer was an older couple. And when when the, the, the man who was the, uh, the volunteer started to preach, and I just remember, I don't remember exactly what was the preached. I don't remember the whole message, but I do remember him referencing John chapter 1 and saying, you know, when the light shines in the darkness, the darkness has not overcome it. And that stuck with me because I was in a dark place. And, yeah. and he was talking about the forgiveness of Christ and the love of Christ and all these things that I hadn't really heard preached in that way. So at the end, he did an altar call, said, who wants to give their hearts to the Lord? And I raised my hand. And, you know, I had no idea what that meant. Um, and I, and I, you know, I was led through a prayer and I kind of said this and I, and I felt that. I felt that, you know, kind of that Holy Spirit moment of like, hey, what I'm doing here is kind of a life-changing thing. Mm-hmm. Now, from that point, I would love to be the person to sit here and tell you, like, from that point on, every single thing was different. Well, that wasn't true. Um, I know I felt the Holy Spirit with me and God with me, and I was started to read the Bible and, and learn more, but I was still dealing with, you know, the, the, the guilt and really a lot of shame and, you know, hurt over what I have done to my family, what I had, um, you know, done to to the victim of this crime and just everything that happened. Yeah, you've gone from the yeah. the big athlete on campus to yeah. here you are now in jail right. for a long time. Pastor Paul will be back with Matt in just a minute.
On the Life Support Podcast, uncomfortable topics like this one are discussed. It's about trauma. And if you'd like to dig deeper and learn how you can better come alongside those who suffer, please log on to lifesupportresources.org. That's lifesupportresources.org. All resources are offered at no cost to you, and all you have to do is register. And now back to Pastor Paul. Now from that point, I would love to be the person to sit here and tell you, like, from that point on, every single thing was different. Well, that wasn't true. Um, I know I felt the Holy Spirit with me and God with me, and I was started to read the Bible and, and learn more, but I was still dealing with, you know, the, the, the guilt and really a lot of shame and, you know, hurt over what I have done to my family, what I had, um, you know, done to to the victim of this crime and just everything that happened. Yeah, you've gone from the yeah. the big athlete on campus to yeah. here you are now in jail right. for a long time. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And so um, and so I dealt with that. And so then I was I, I was sentenced at, and, and went into prison and kind of just in that same mode. And I would go to church programs and I would kind of go to Bible studies, but I was just, it was like, years of just kind of dealing with that, what was going on in my heart and this guilt and shame. Um, about the time that I went into prison, so this is 2003 when I had, when I had gone into prison, um, I had turned 18 in the county jail. So I was 18, went into prison and, um, a friend of my family named Bill reached out. Um, he had known my grandma kind of in a working relationship. Um, Bill owned some billboard companies and my grandmother uh, worked for the county so they had kind of this working you know relationship over the stuff and um and so it happened that on the day I was sentenced Bill had to call my grandma for some work stuff and my grandma just he heard in my voice or heard in her voice you know everything was not great and Bill said what's going on and my grandma said my grandson just got sentenced to all this time in prison and it's just been really tough and Bill said well can I send him a bible and my grandma said yeah here's his address and so mm. Bill sent me a bible I sent him a thank you card and then he said can I come visit you so then he got onto my visiting list and Bill is just this great Christian man I mean just an amazing person and um, poured into me you know even when I'm going through and facing all that still you know Bill was coming up to visit he would come with my grandparents he would come by himself and sometimes we'd read the bible together sometimes we'd pray together sometimes we'd just talk about sports but mm-hmm. you know Bill was kind of this great mentor to me um and really taught me what it was to like see the love of Christ and it was so it was it was Bill and then the the volunteers that came into prison who um, volunteered with church ministries that gave so much of themselves for we had retreat weekends or you know they would come every week to um, put on our, our programs and I saw the right. love of Christ in them and so those things make a difference oh man they make a difference they make a difference in the lives of I mean I was pretty fortunate that my I had good family support and and remain to have good family support to this day but I had great family support while I was in prison but you know I know guys who were who were in prison and that's that was their visits like that right. you know the church volunteers who come in to put on the programs were their connection to the outside world and mm-hmm. um and i and i felt that you know that that connection and and i think kind of the final piece for me is you know after about 10 years and and i had bill kind of come alongside me and and that was really good but when i got into stillwater prison and this was after I was in prison for about 10 years. And I started to get around these guys who were lifers, you know, single life, double life, triple life, guys who are more time than me. These were guys that were in prison before me. 
they were getting out of prison after me. Yeah. And I would look and I'd be like, man, these guys have so much joy and they have smiles on their face and they're doing their time with purpose. And I, I wanted to know why and started to realize that it was the love of Christ, that the love of Christ had changed their heart in a real right. and tangible way. Right. And so I started to watch them and I started to hang out with them and I started to learn from them. And, um, you know, one of one of my good friends who was there when I when I had come up for reclassification, I got to go to a medium security prison and it's kind of going to be these next steps in my time. And he really encouraged me, hey, you should sign up for this um, program put on by Prison Fellowship. It was called Interchange Freedom Initiative at the time. It's called Prison Fellowship Academy now. Um, and I signed up for that. And that's a year long biblically based program. Got involved in that. Stayed on for a year after that as a mentor. And it was during that kind of two year time that I really um, the Lord just lit a fire in me and uh, um, a heart for a heart for the lost, and not just for myself, because I mm-hmm. feel like some of those, you know, the Holy Spirit did his, his work to just resolve the heart issues, but just to get the heart for the lost, I gained right. at that time, and um, and and just some other cool connections with Bill um, introduced me to the pastor of his church. And so I, I started to develop a relationship with the church on the outside of that time with the pastor and with one of the uh, associate pastors and um, kind of started to gain that connection during this this whole time. So um, so God was working in this whole time. Yeah, yeah. God was working. You know, yeah. when we talk about God working together all things for the good of those, you know, it doesn't mean that, that all things are going to be good because that's, right. that's not true. Yeah. We're going to have hardship. But yeah. those things that go together, whether good or bad or in between, are going to work together yeah. uh, into that. It's point. interesting. My wife, Wendy, and I had a chance to speak at Faribault mm. and tell our story, and it was about restorative justice. Yeah, And um, they literally had the guys who were in for murder in the first two rows because wow. of what we were talking about. Yeah, And um, one of them who was a life you call them lifers? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. So he came up and goes, you know, I- I've never had more purpose. Mm. He goes, I- I've never been more excited about what my purpose in life is. And oh. I kind of looked at him like, you know, maybe you just like haven't gotten used to this or something, yeah, you know. Yeah. But he was yeah. dead serious. He had gone through some of the things he had gone through. He had found Christ. He was learning. He was growing. Yeah. And it was amazing to me how in that setting um, God has such power in somebody's life. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, um, you know, I know for myself in my story that I had gotten to a point, we talk a lot about getting to a point of rock bottom, but I had, I had gotten to a point even more than that where like I had exhausted all the, um, avenues of doing things myself <laughs> yeah. and, and all those avenues run out and it's only God that's left. So we, I, you know, for me, I just, I couldn't help, I guess, but turn to God and, and when I did that and I started to be faithful to what it was that I understood at that point was the call on my life. You know, when I was very early <clears throat> in my faith, I didn't understand it as a call in my life. I just was, you know, it felt right to to do these things. Well, you know, I start to realize that God has us purpose for something higher. Yeah. Um, that was huge for me in prison because here I am with you know, years left at that point, about a decade left to serve in this. It's like, how am I going to make this part of my life relevant? Because here I'm going to lose my 20s and, you know, part of my 30s. And it's like I so for a while, I really just struggled with like, you know, how is the how are these years of my life going to matter? And I realized that 
you know, living for the kingdom here and now was like living above all those circumstances. It didn't matter whether I was in prison, whether I was out of prison, it doesn't matter. I'm going to be serving on mission for God in that place, wherever that place may be. And right. in that was true right. freedom. Right. So um, that was just like a life changer for me. Which really runs contrary to to worldly logic. Yeah. yeah you know, absolutely. because, it, you know, logically you, you were right. Like, yeah, you have given away mm your life but then all of a sudden here's god saying no no you haven't yeah yeah oh absolutely and i think that like prison is is more and i understand this now um and it is a physical place obviously but it is a state of mind Mm -hmm. i think first and foremost and there's a lot of people who may have never been incarcerated but in their mind are in prison because of fear or anxiety or whatever these things that are holding us back and and the most amazing thing is is that that you know the bible has the answer to all these things and god has the answer mm-hmm. to all these things the peace that transcends all understanding is the the answer to all of these things so um we gain freedom through surrender and it's a paradox and it doesn't make sense but to me for me it worked so. yeah so as you got closer and closer to the time of your release yeah. how was god steering you toward what would be next for you yeah so um like I said, uh, during that time in the uh, uh, the prison fellowship program, really just gained a lot of like, really like ministry training at that time, and um, <clears throat> had the church come come alongside me and and uh, uh, really help me out with stuff. What one of the great opportunities was when I had finished kind of my time there at at the Lionel Lakes Prison at that um, uh, the prison fellowship program. I got a chance to go to Moose Lake Prison. Um, which I kind of looked at at the time was like one of these moves. So I'm, I'm kind of praying to God about like, why, you know, I'm here, I'm in Lino, I'm doing all this really good yeah. stuff. We have these ministry opportunities, but it was really, that was the point of being sent. Um, being up at Moose Lake prison, um, you know, Westwood church was able to come alongside me and we actually planted what at that time was a micro site within the prison. So Westwood church was sending their, um, DVD sermon series, and we were watching them on Saturdays and just very much like an extension of their ministry in prison. And I got to just operate in that uh, right there in Moose Lake while I was there. And um, mm. it was so cool. And we still, you know, COVID unfortunately kind of put an end to a lot of the things we were doing. But as far as like the the sermon notes and kind of some of the things that we send, we still pour into the guys up there at Moose Lake Prison. We get letters um, at the church from guys up there asking questions at you know, I never knew to me, which is right. such a blessing because it's like this is something that God birthed kind of through the work that we did at that time years ago, and now it's still like carrying on. So, wow. um, so that really just prepared me for what these next steps were. And, um, so in 2022, I began a work release program. Um, it was my final year of the 20 years of incarceration I could spend. Um, it was about 11 months, uh, lived in a county jail got to work in the community. So I went to work every day. And, um, you know, there was always kind of some thought of me going and, and working at Westwood Church. I didn't know if it was going to happen or, or whatever. But uh, in the meantime, I had gotten a job lined up to go work at a car dealership and everything. You know, my cousin was going to get me this job, all this stuff. It was going to be great. And then the day of my release to start work release came and a COVID outbreak happened under facility and that release got canceled and I actually got it pushed back two weeks. Oh, wow. So then after two weeks, I go back to my cousin and say, hey, what's up with this job? He goes, well, no, it's it, the job's still there, but the guy who's got to hire you is in Mexico. He's going to be gone. 
So I had this day open in my schedule on the work release to go look for jobs, and I had called my pastor at Westwood Church and said, hey, can I just come and check out the church? I just want to see it. You know, it's been been doing a lot of work. And walking around the church there and, and the uh, director of facilities there saw me, and he's like, oh, hey, you know, we talked and introduced and, you know, um, the pastor there, Joel, had preached about me multiple times. So he's like, oh, we, we met. And then he goes, well, do you need a job? And I said, well, yeah, as a matter of fact, I do need a job. He goes, well, do you want a job working in the facilities department? You know, so yeah. um, so I started working there and uh, uh, working as an evening janitor housekeeper on the uh, uh, on the facilities team and did that for about half of my work release um, time. And um, about six months into doing that, the facility manager at the church transitioned to another church that job came open and i was promoted into that role so now i'm the uh uh facility manager at, at westwood church good for you That's and awesome. for you uh who are out of state yeah uh it's a big church here uh in the twin city area and that's quite a story because um making that transition yeah. when you get out it's really hard isn't it for yeah. a lot of people yeah, it is. I think that there's kind of two components to it. So there's a social component and there's a mental component. And I think, um, y- you know, one of the things, the social component can be helped by the amount of support an individual has when they get out from family, from friends, church community, from whoever it is that's supporting them. Um, I had a lot of that. I was blessed. I had great, great family support. Right. So the social stuff, I I was able to kind of overcome some barriers. The mental stuff is always going to be there. Um, you know, in prison... I get to make a handful of decisions a day. I mean, when I eat is told to me what, what I eat, yeah. you know, when it, all these things, these decisions are made and it's all of a sudden you are released from that. And it's like, there's thousands of decisions to make every day. And, um, that was kind of one of the biggest barriers still is a barrier. I mean, I've been out, um, you know, under a year now and, um, and it's like, I still kind of have some of that stuff happens. It comes sure. up where it's hard to make decisions and, and stuff like well, this. That's not a very long time. Yeah. I mean, you're, yeah. you're, you're really doing well. Um, yeah. I have a million questions for you, sure. but um, in this segment, we're going to have you back. But I, I have one more question for you, yeah. and that is impossible to answer probably. Mm-hmm. But what's, what's one thing that you learned about God during this experience from the time that you were sentenced to the time now where – you're getting your feet underneath you. Is there something that stands out where you just went like, yeah, man, I would have never learned that yeah. if I wouldn't have gone through this? Man, I would think that one of one of the biggest things and what comes to mind is, is that there is no situation too big, no thing too bad that God can't work with and through if we allow him and if we give him that, whatever mm-hmm. that is, you mm-hmm. know, whatever that whatever that negative thing is, whatever it is that we look at and is like from the world's standpoint is like this is just an insurmountable hill. If we give that to God and we just say, God, use it, and we go through it and we're faithful, that God's going to use that for his glory. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what it is for me like with, with prison, with, with 20 years in prison is, um, you know, it's not a great, like obviously I wish I could go back and change what I did. I sure. wish I could, I wish... You sure. know, that it's a terrible thing. Um and but God is even able to the fact that we can, I can't go back and do that, but God can redeem that and allow me and put me in position, which I have been over and over again, whether it was talking to people in jail or prison, or now that I'm out getting a chance to speak to our high school group and just sharing with them the power of choices, 
the power of our decisions, and then hopefully helping others to learn from the mistakes that I made. And that's how God kind of redeems that time for me. You know, it could have been yeah. 20 years of wasted time in yep. my life, yep. but God redeems that time by um, giving me the, the, you know, the ability to speak about it and hopefully help people. Well, so. you are, and that's that's a pretty special story. And Matt, I really appreciate you sharing it with us. And next time we talk, I really want to dig into the mentorship piece. Yeah, because um, we don't talk enough about mentorship mm-hmm. in churches mm-hmm. and how that can change people's lives. But really appreciate you coming by, Matt, and sharing your story. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. You know, if you're listening right now and you're thinking, wow, you know, I, I, I'm in a dark place and I'm not sure that God um, has his eye on me. You know, I just heard Matt's story and, well, let me just share Romans 8.28 with you. You're probably familiar with it. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. And so, you know, you may think that there's no uh, way around what you're facing. You may not see uh, a light at the end of the tunnel, but God does have his eyes on you. God does care. And he has promised that all of it's going to work out for good. And Matt was dead right. You know, it's not going to be easy. Nothing ever comes easy in life, it doesn't seem. But we do have a God who can overcome anything. And the Bible tells us all things are possible with God. So I just want to encourage you not to give up, uh, to keep praying, seek help. And um, God will walk with you through whatever you're dealing with. I want to thank our partners that make this uh, program possible. Thanks to Faith Radio and KTIS for allowing us to uh, be part of their world. And you can find this podcast at MyFaithRadio.com. You can see a video version of this podcast at FiveStoneMedia.com. And you can check us out here at Ridgewood Church as well at MyRWC.org. And thank you so much for listening to Life Support. Life Support.